0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon. You are very welcome to Lifeline. Katie Allen with you until three o'clock today. And we are, I can tell you, we're only coming down now after the excitement of yesterday and uh, having a certain Dolly Parton on the show. Uh, really loved it and really, really loved uh, having Sandra on to speak to her and to tell her to her, you know, straight up what what those books from uh, Dolly Parton's Imagination Library had been doing for her little girl. And we got all the callers in after that again. And it really is incredible what happens when you put a, a book into the hands of a toddler and how it just instills that incredible love of reading. And I want to bring in Rodney now. Rodney, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. And you lo- you're a big reader, Rodney, obviously. Um, I am, I suppose. Yes, yes. But you have a crow to pick with some of our most celebrated writers. That's right. Um, I was very proud this year when uh, four of our uh, prominent Irish authors were long-listed for the Booker Prize. And and year after year, we tend to have at least one long-listed Irish author. So we got four this year. And even more proud when two of them uh, were shortlisted and still are and are in the in the in, in the, the running, running for for, yeah. for the big prize. Uh, now I've read all four books, or at least most of all four books. But the 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 crow that I have to pick, as as you put it, is um, my problem with um, three out of our four uh, authors have fallen into what I feel is a, this modern trend of simply abandoning quotation marks when they're writing dialogue. Uh, So any and all dialogue is slammed down on the page without anything to assist the poor reader. Now, we're used to that. It's not a a totally new trend, and people like um, Mike McCormick and so on with Solar Bones have been doing it for for many years. And then, well, we know that James Joyce, of course, uh, 100 years ago, um, in, uh, uh, experimented and then more or less invented the famous stream of consciousness. And one gets used to a certain aspect of not having punctuation marks. But really the way the current authors are using this trend now, some more than others, is particularly heavy going. It makes it just difficult to read. And I, I made the point that um, in in some of the some of the books and with some of the pages, you've got two, maybe three characters having a complicated argument uh, and without a, a comma or a capital letter or a quotation mark between them to help the unfortunate reader. And in my opinion, it's just tough going. You see, Rodney, I have a lot of sympathy for you now in this one because I have a thing about punctuation. I get really, mm-hmm. really bothered by uh, punctuation that's wrong, the wrong punctuation in the wrong place. I was, I was quoting this with Louise earlier on that, yep. you know, the Con Hoolan, the famous Con Hoolan uh, quote, which is, you know, the man who could misplace an apostrophe is capable of anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but having said that, the, the Paul Murray book, which uh, yeah. I really, really hope does win that Booker because it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm not all the way through it, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, in the middle of it at the minute. The Beasting, yeah. and it is. And just, I bet you started it about four weeks ago. It's a long, heavy yeah. book, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I, I did. <laughs> it, I did indeed. But it is. It's a brilliant book. I mean, I'm absolutely loving mm. it. I am loving it, mm-hmm. and I am completely not bothered by the punctuation issue in it because it seems it, it because the character you know that it's the Imelda character and that sense of kind of sort of chaos and and racing ahead and it sort of suits it suits the this that character and that is that, it, I can I can absolutely accept that that if the if the system or the uh, the way of writing suits the uh, story and suits the characters and works and brings you the reader comfortably along with it that's fine and and far be it for me to be a purist about all all sorts of punctuation marks and apostrophes in the wrong place but when it comes to dialogue either you get either you can follow it clearly and quickly and without too much stress or strain or else you lose the the plot quite literally um and 
Paul Murray's book, uh, and uh, he's a, an ex uh, Blackrock College boy like me, so I've got a lot to. <laughs> I blow his trumpet for him. But um, I, maybe we shouldn't be um, na- to, naming too many names, uh, but uh, the other Paul, of course, with Prophet's story, which Paul you Lynch. may not yet yeah. have got, you may not have got to yet, Katie. I mean, that's also. Um, apart from being a very depressing subject, uh, heavy going on the dialogue without... uh, I'm looking... Well, I'm not looking at it, but I can remember the page I read last night. Solid page of non-stop text with three different characters talking and arguing and um, a little bit of uh, narrative between the dialogue, but nothing to, to distinguish one from the other. So one has to really work hard at it. And it may be 20 to 11 when you're sort of getting a little bit sleepy in bed. That's hard going. Yeah, well, any book... That in, my, mo- in my humble opinion. <laughs> any book that requires you to go back to the top of the page again and reread for my, to, for my yeah. money is, um, is hard work. Do you, yes. do you have the thing that once you've started, you'll finish? Or do you actually kind of give up on books? Are you... No, I, I, well, I, I rarely give up on books, but I'm getting more picky in my uh, crankety old age. And I've got to the stage now where, and it's the same with watching a television program, I can ask myself, do I really care what happens to these people? Am I involved with them? And if I'm not, I'll say, right, thanks. Goodbye. And I'm moving on to the next book. I wonder, is it, as you say, in Elaine Feeney's book, of course, as well, has, has you know, she has this style as well in um, it has, How to Build a Boat. In, it, she does, but, but the, the physical texture of how it's uh, printed on the page is much easier with Elaine's book. It's much easier to read. It's funny because I read a review of Paul Murray's book, The Bee Sting, in Mm. one of the American papers. It might have been the LA Times. And they Mm. commented that this is... uh, what, they referred to something that's fashionable, I think, was the word they used among Irish writers at the moment. And I wonder, is it an Irish thing? Because originally I was thinking, when you... Read these books. You think is this a text, Instagram, modern, you know, uh, modern communication thing that people have just basically given up on on punctuation and have decided we don't need punctuation to make ourselves understood, or um, or is it James Joyce's fault? No, I I, I wouldn't blame Joyce. Um, for it. No, I think it's very much a modern thing. You might be right that it's a certain homage to text writing, but the big difference is if if I send you a text with a message, it'll be brief, short. I probably won't put much in the way of punctuation marks. I certainly won't be putting um, uh, inverted commas for uh, the text, for, for the spoken word or anything like that. You'll get the message swiftly. But then that's all done in four lines. However, if you're trying to apply the same principle to a, a um, 20 euro novel, that's a different thing altogether. And I, I do really believe that this is just a modern trend. And the, the, the word you mentioned there, fashionable, I think sums it up. It has become a fashion at the moment. And it'll probably go out of fashion in a few years' time and people will write more um, normally. You see, I think that if you get a WhatsApp message or a text message, I don't think that many people actually use text anymore. But if you get them, you can actually immediately tell the age of the person who's texting because if you're over oh, a certain age, there true. will be there will be capital. You know, it'll be the capital letter will be in the right place. There'll be commas. That's, there will be full stops. That's, that's right. If there's as much, if there's as much of a, as a full stop, you know, it's your elderly aunt writing exactly. to you. Yeah, true. And and they generally sign it as well, which I always think is. <laughs> it's oh, a giveaway. Yeah, yeah, forgetting that it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying that I, I do think that we have somewhere along the way, and I'd love to know if we could kind of pin it down to a year, but punctuation yeah. just stopped being important. Um, well, it's so it seems for some people. Um, the, the thing is, um, we've, we've got to the stage now where uh, with, with this trend, it's, it, it can't go anywhere else except get more complicated. There's nothing wrong with being challenged by an author's style and even surprised by it. But if it gets to the stage where it's blurring the easy acceptance of what's being, what the author wants to put across, then he or she has uh, lost out, as well as the reader who's paid 20 euros for the book or 
make the effort to read it in the first place. So there's got to be some compromise between author and reader. Uh, the challenge... You, yeah. The cha- yeah. I was just going to ask you, Rodney, would you be a bit of a pedant generally when it comes to this kind of stuff? No, no, I, I hope I wouldn't. Um, I hope I would not be a pedant uh, or, too, or too much of a purist in, in any form. But I, I'm looking at from a purely selfish point of view. If I have to work hard reading a page or a chapter, then I just lose it, uh, lose interest and say, why should I bother? There's lots of other good books around that I'll be happy with. Yeah, but I mean, you, 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 you've read Joyce, haven't you? You, you clearly. Yes, I have. Yes. Did you work hard? Many times. Did you read Ulysses? You did. I've read Ulysses many times, yeah, and read it for the tourists and everything, yes, so I know it backwards. (laughs) Now, many people would say that James Joyce is just too, it's just too much hard work. I mean, there is a well, there the, is a view that Ulysses is just it's obviously the joke is everyone buys it, but who actually reads it? Well, you see, that's the problem that Ulysses has become a, 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 a victim of its own success, and it's become a sort of a journalistic thing. And I'm sure you would never, in your dream of saying it, but most journalists or most people writing. Uh, put throw in a funny remark about Ulysses, uh, about, you know, oh, yes, I read the first four pages but had to give it up, ha, ha. Um, did they really even try or did anybody ever guide them in the first place? It's one of the funniest and cleverest books uh, and pleasant books. Obviously, aspects of it, some parts are, take more effort, I suppose, to to get through. But, I mean, if you're a Dubliner, or an Irish person, you just hear your grandparents and your parents speaking. In the, in, and some of the chapters uh, are so funny and so, so good. That you couldn't, you couldn't, well, you could fault them in so many ways. But you see, that's it. I, I can accept that. Why? Um, like I feel now you're giving James Joyce the benefit, mm-hmm. of, uh, benefit there and you, that you were mm-hmm. denying Paul Murray and Paul Lynch because um, he's James Joy. I mean, it's the same issue, really, because there is whole... You know, sections of that that uh, that you do have to need, really concentrate to, to to stay with it. Yes, indeed, not only concentrate but be guided by some of the many guidebooks. True enough, and I'd have to say, touche, you've got me there. Uh, <laughs> I've been very critical of the modern guys and and uh, very acceptant of my my, yeah. my idol JJ. My yes, yes. Uh, but. Uh, and he was far from fashionable when he started uh, his great modern novel. Uh, and even less so with, with Finnegan's Wake or anything like that. And maybe, I, you see, what I doubt is that 100 years from now, those of us who appreciate Joyce accepted uh, all aspects of it. I doubt if 100 years from now, uh, people will be accepting Prophet Song or The Bee Sting uh, as being great uh, examples of the genre of literature of its time. What about Claire Keegan? You must love her. She's really slim volumes, really I do. Yeah, straightforward. Yeah I, yeah, I do. Yes, exactly. Yes I, yes, I do like her work. Yes. Yeah, my my thing with with Claire Keegan is I just wanted to go on longer. It's just it's too it's yeah. too succinct yeah. for my liking. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, she started as a short story writer, of course, didn't she? Yes. And has uh, sort of uh, expanded just a little bit, but she's, she produces some lovely stuff. Rodney, we'll see if anyone agrees with you. Many thanks for that. Appreciate. Appreciate uh, the call. My pleasure. And thank you for giving me a soapbox, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, Rodney. Many thanks. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Now we're getting people uh, who want to uh, respond to Rodney. They will get back to that uh, shortly, hopefully. But first, I want to bring in uh, Ursula, Ursula Zimmerman. Good afternoon. Hi, Katie. How are you? Ursula here. Ursula, you say you were alarmed, dismayed and embarrassed by what you're about to tell us. Uh, I certainly was, yes. Um, so what happened was that I have a Japanese t- teaching assistant called Kazuhiro, who you will hear from, uh, teaching with me in Loretto Secondary School in Wexford. And he was to attend the Languages Connect Summit last Saturday in Dublin, for which he was given a €75 Euro overnight allowance to stay in Dublin. Um, on Monday, he came in to me and I said, how was it? And he said it was fine. And he showed me the receipt for his hostel. I note it was not a hotel. It was a hostel in Dublin. 
And the receipt was for €93. I said, surely that must be some mistake. So I emailed the hostel and I said, was there some mistake here? €93 for a hostel seems slightly ludicrous. And so I asked Casavero how many were in his room. He said he wasn't sure. He felt maybe about 20 or so. He wasn't exactly sure. He also said there was no hot uh, water for his shower. So I emailed the hostel and I inquired about this. Um, And I did not receive a response from the hostel. Um, So then I actually thought, no, surely it was still a mistake. So I checked that night on Monday evening. I just went on to bookings, actually, and I thought, well, I'm going to book a room in a hostel for Dublin on Friday night. And I sent you in a screenshot of the actual cost of the hostel, and it was €111 for one bed in a 32-bed dorm in a hostel in Dublin. That hostel was making for its 32 beds. My calculations aren't that quick, but I think that's over about three and a half grand on their room in a hostel. Now, I, for this visitor to Ireland from Japan, a country that people think is expensive, certainly for accommodation, to pay that kind of money for a hostel. Well, I, a hostel, I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. And hence, I, I wrote to you. And I mean... I, I was just, I was stunned, I have to say, by that price. Because I would have, I mean, I haven't stayed in a hostel for some time, but like hostels used to be a very, very uh, cheap and cheerful way to, you know, get around and see and, you know, for backpacking and all of that. Well, that's what I thought for the solo traveller. I thought it was a budget accommodation. I thought it was a budget way to travel. Um, and to stay somewhere. And even my own daughter, who was off in the United States this year, she hosteled in downtown Manhattan in a beautiful hostel in a six-bedroom. She paid $60, which to her was really, really, really expensive for a hostel. I, I suppose I don't know where this is coming from. Is there something behind it? Can the hostel justify it? Um, I went looking last night for hotels. Hotels, we all know Ireland is expensive for accommodation. Um, But hotels, look, they were okay. I could get a room in Dublin in a hotel. If I was for two people, I could get a decent hotel, uh, three, maybe four-star hotel for about 250 quid. Now, that's a far cry in 250 quid for two people in a nice hotel with your private bathroom to a hostel charging €111 for a bed in a um, a 32-bed mixed dorm. So I just don't know where this is coming from. And I I suppose I wanted answers. And is this justifiable? And are people not alarmed um, at the cost of hostels? Well, I can tell you. Well, will I bring in? uh, No, I will. I'll go to to the statement. Yes. No, no, no. Okay, we're going to get a statement from the uh, hostel hopefully shortly, but I want to go to your student first. Kazuhiro, have I got that right? Kazuhiro, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, Welcome to Ireland. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, So tell us, what are you doing here exactly, uh, Kazuhiro? Uh, I assist uh, Ursula teaching Japanese language in the at the Loretto Secondary School, a school, a secondary school, yeah. And you had this uh, knee. You had to go to Dublin for this um, languages summit on the fourth. Mm-hmm. So last weekend. Mhm. Uh, so were you surprised when you started looking for accommodation at what you were being quoted? Were you, did you check out a number of places or was it just, did you just, were you going to direct it towards this hostel? Oh, sorry, sorry. I said, were you, did you check out a number of places? Had you a number of places you could have stayed or was it just this, this hostel? I, sorry, I, uh, I get, I, I don't get, get uh, it. I'm sorry, guys are here. I'm sorry. I'm probably asking it in a very complicated way. Tell me about tell me about the hostel itself. Okay, um, there are about uh, fifteen to twenty people in a room, and uh, the room was uh, not clean, not dirty. It was so so, and 
Yeah, as Uso said, the uh, shower was not not hot, and it was cold water. And yeah, I think the toilet was clean, but uh, it was not good experience. Yeah. What would you expect to pay at home in your home own country for that kind of accommodation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like 20 or 30 euro. Wow. So there's a massive, diff- a huge difference, Kazahira. Yeah. Um, and presumably you don't have a huge budget for, for this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go back. Thank you, Kazahira. Thank you for, for, for talking yeah. to us. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, Ursula, yeah, I mean, we, as you say, we kind of think of Japan, or we used to think of Japan anyway, as a place where, you know, an expensive country to visit. But a hostel there would cost about 20 euro. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they're, I've never really stayed in a hostel in Japan, but they have business hotels and even capsule hotels or, you know, and, and you can stay in a, in a nice, in a, in, a, in a business hotel with a private room and a private bathroom with a bath for about 50 quid, you know, and they would be impeccably clean with flat screen TVs and uh, and bathrobes and your slippers and everything that goes with it. This is Japan high tech, obviously, with your phone chargers, your USB chargers and all the rest. And, you know, with all the facilities for teas and coffees, etc. in the room. So hostels, they don't do as much in Japan. They tend to stay in Japanese inns or business hotels for cheaper accommodation or capsule hotels. But you wouldn't be paying over 50, 60 quid, 5,000, 6,000 yen, I'd say. Yeah, well, I mean, if you can get downtown Manhattan yeah. uh, for $60, which is what, about 50 euro maybe? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <sighs> like there's something, there's something seriously wrong. Uh, am I, are you, can you speak Japanese, Ursula? I can indeed, yeah. <laughs> I can indeed. I teach, I teach it in uh, Loretto Secondary School uh, in Wexford. Oh, so uh, I, it's a even third subjects in some schools around the country. So, is it? I didn't uh, know. I didn't know any school actually had Japanese on the leaving cert. Oh, uh, we're dotted around the country. And how did you learn your Japanese? Where Where did you learn it? Oh, I went over to Japan after graduating from DCU many years ago. I went on the jet program and I fell in love with the place and kind of. Just, uh, I suppose, after the JET program, then I did my master's in Japanese, went back to Japan. And then for my 20s and 30s, I was kind of coming and going um, between Japan and Ireland quite a bit, always involved in education. So I've been with, been teaching the subject now since uh, 2007, I think, was the first time it was examined on the leave insert. And um, is it a difficult language to learn, like compared to, say, the romantic languages? like? <laughs> Uh, well, I teach French and German as well, right. so it's very, very, very different, I guess. Um, what I say to my students is they might disagree with me here, but um, I say it's no harder. No language is, is necessarily harder or easier than another. another. They're just different. Um, with Japanese, you just got to concentrate a lot on the characters and learning to read and becoming literate in the, in the language. So that's a huge focus, certainly, for the first year of learning the language. Okay. Um, yeah. can, can you say something and let me say I couldn't believe how much that hostel <laughs> cost in Japanese. Hostel no Brilliant. Uh, thank you, Ursula. We have actually got a statement in now from the hostel. It was it was of course the Abbey Court Hostel in um in Dublin City Centre. Um they say that they're disappointed to hear that a guest has been unhappy with their stay at the hostel. Um addressing some of the points, they say that their prices are made in line with market value. So they say this is what the market is. Uh, Weekend prices in Dublin are higher than midweek prices, especially when booked at the last minute. Uh, Do we know, did Kazuhiro uh, book it very late in the day? He certainly did book it late. Yes, he did. Like, I think he only booked it on the Thursday or Friday when I realised I was actually sleeping out um, for Focus Ireland, doing the sleep out on Friday night at the Loretto Secondary School. So I couldn't uh, bring him up to Dublin on the Saturday. So hence, um, so hence he, he had to stay up on the Friday. So it was a last minute booking. Still, I think that's a little bit of a lame excuse. 
excuse, um, Katie, just because, as I say, I went on it on Monday to book for this Friday and it was €111. Which so is even higher I, than... I, I, yeah, which is even higher. So I don't really accept that as an excuse from the hostel. OK, I'll just give you a couple of more uh, lines from the statement. Uh, oh, yeah, they say as well, if you book through uh, an OTA, you bear a higher cost than if you book directly. So that'd be like one of those, the booking.coms or one of those yeah. uh, services. Uh, so because they say they pay a commission on all reservations made through online travel agents, which again is, uh, they say, presume is the case for this guest. Um, they pride themselves, they say, as one of the best hostels in Dublin, well above the standard in comparison to various other hostels, they say. Um, and they say over the last number of months, running costs have expanded exponentially. And they say that they have maintenance team working seven days a week and any issues with water would have been looked at immediately. They're not sure when the guest stayed. Well, we know it's Friday night. They say they don't see any reports over the last few days of water issues. So basically they're saying, in conclusion, we are by no means claiming to be the cheapest hostel in Dublin, but certainly pride ourselves on being one of the top rated hostels uh, in Dublin for service experience and value. And they say they've been operating over 25 years. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So well, that's okay. If they think it's justifiable to charge 111 euro, I'd like the owner of the hostel, or maybe um, to maybe stay in the hostel for in the 32, um, 32 um, a man and woman room, um, 32 bed room for for a night, and uh, see what the experience is like. Do you know what I like? Um, I'd like Ursula. I'd like to get into the hostel business if if that's uh, what the return uh, on uh, one dorm can get you in Dublin uh, these days. I've got Eilish on the line. Eilish, good afternoon. Hello, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? You're just back from Japan. Uh, that's correct, yeah. Um, I spent two, just maybe about two weeks in, in Japan recently. I came back about two weeks ago and um, I stayed in, in accommodation in the centre of Tokyo when I was there in a place called Akihabara. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, anybody who knows Tokyo would have heard of Akihabara. It's, it's a very popular area. Anybody into anime or manga or whatever, they, they'd, they'd, they'd all know about it. I'm not into that. I didn't actually realise what area I was booking. I just knew that it was central. So I, I booked accommodation through booking.com and I got six nights in Akihabara. And I booked it for two people because um, my daughter is out there. I thought maybe she might want to come in and stay with me for a night or two. Um, so I booked her for two people, even though I was only staying in the room by myself for, for all the time. She did, She only came in for a few hours, didn't stay overnight. But I paid a total of €390 Euros for my room. Um, it was a, a room with bunk beds. I had my own toilet, my own shower, and I had a kitchen. So I, I, I had a wow. small kitchen area. I, I had a fridge freezer, so a little, I had a microwave, a little stu- I had a kettle. little studio apartment, top. basically. Exactly. Basically, that's what it was. Now, it's listed as a hostel, but it was really a studio apartment is what I had. And, and six, I said for six nights in, in the centre of Tokyo, wow. um, I so, paid 390 euros. So, and that was for two people. Um, if, it was, if, it was just, if I booked it just for one, it would have, obviously would have been less. But I mean, there's no comparison um, that, between 110 euros you know, for one night and what I paid for six nights. That's you know, what, just over just, 60 euro, yeah, 60 whatever euro a night. Never do maths yeah, on the radio live. As I said, it was a little studio apartment. I had my own on, my own on suite. I had my little kitchen. So and I was very pleased, I have to say. I, I was very, I was delighted with it. I can, uh, yes. And like, even yeah. if you were staying in a, a, a hotel in Dublin, like you wouldn't, you'd hardly, you get, wouldn't an, you'd get, hardly get one night for that at the current, exactly, the current rate. Yeah, yeah b- before I flew out, I stayed in um, a hotel in Dublin airport. And it was, it was for two of us, my daughter flew out with me and um, we spent, we, we, we paid 230 euros for a twin room for the night. Now, it was a lovely room, I have to say, but we were only there for five or six hours because we had an early morning flight. But I, I spent 230 euros and we spent two nights in, in Kyoto um, when we were out there. Mm-hmm. And I spent 130 euros for a beautiful twin room. And again, with the ensuite and with the kitchen, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a kitchenette area. 130 euros in the Gion district, which is a popular area of, of Kyoto, for 130 euros for the two of us. And it was lovely. And it was very comfortable, spotlessly clean. All the accommodation was spotlessly clean. And um, yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to make that comment. Um, I yeah, said thank we were totally overpriced here in Ireland. It's totally overpriced. just so bizarre. But I mean, I'm looking at, at what the Abbey Court Hostel is telling us. They're telling us our prices are made in line with the market value. And I mean, you've got to think they would be charging those prices if they weren't getting customers for it. It's, it's, uh, I suppose maybe it's down to supply and demand. I mean, if, 
if there isn't enough accommodation and if, if there's a high demand, well, then obviously they can charge higher prices. But, um, yeah, I, I just think we, 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 we charge too much here in Ireland. I said, when you come to a place like Tokyo and you can get it for so much cheaper. And we, as, as you said earlier on yourself, we all have the perception that Tokyo or, or Japan is quite an expensive country. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, Ireland is more expensive, definitely. Even to eat out, you can eat out cheaply over there. Um, you can get a main course in, in a in a kind of one of these kind of eateries or whatever for maybe five or six euros, and lovely food, and you wouldn't get it here, do you know. Well, you definitely um, wouldn't get any main course anywhere here now. Yeah, for yeah. Five you or six no, euros. you can go. You can go to very fancy restaurants and very fancy hotels and spend a lot, lot more money, but you can do it. Um, do you know, just ordinary stuff, kind of lovely, comfortable, clean accommodation and good food at a small eatery. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's much cheaper than here. OK, now you're making me want to go, Eilish. <laughs> it's one oh, of those places. You know what, do. I know, it's one of those <laughs> it's, places it's though because it's, it's because it's really different, isn't it? It's one of those places that's really, really it's different very, very, from... Very different, yeah. Um, very different, very interesting. Um, yeah. and, and the Japanese people are so lovely. Yeah. They're so polite and um, so orderly in, in, in the way they move even on, on the train stations. Like they all stand aside while the doors open of the train and everybody comes out. And then when everybody's out, then the people will go onto the train. And just, um, you know, here we'd be pushing and shoving and whatever. There's none of that over there. It's just, um, and they're just very nice people, very helpful. Um, yeah, so... Um, okay, I said I had a lovely holiday. I enjoyed it. Well, and we're delighted for yeah. you, Eilish. <laughs> many thanks. Thank you. Many thanks for yeah. giving us All a right, right up to okay. date, up to date report there about uh, accommodation and. Uh, food and eating out and all that price thing. I'll just put a, give you our WhatsApp number 087-184-3709. I'd love to hear uh, from more of you about your hosteling experiences uh, over the years because I think a lot of people look back on the days uh, when they were backpacking around uh, Europe or wherever or, or, you know, Southeast Asia and uh, the people they met and the things they did. Um, so, you know, if you want to Go a little trip down memory lane. Uh, the number is 087-184-3709. Um, can I bring in Glenn now? Glenn, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Yeah. Oh, you are a hostel owner, Glenn, yourself. That's correct. So just to give you an idea, um, I'm involved in a family business in Drogheda and we originally owned a boutique hotel, Scholars Townhouse Hotel in Drogheda. And we purchased a pub in 2019, Peggy Moore's Pub, quite well known in Drogheda. And um, it's 115 years old, the pub, very historical downstairs, but upstairs we weren't really using it for anything, but they were always well known for selling accommodation or renting rooms out. They had six rooms there. And uh, we decided maybe to put a twist rather than a B&B or a guest house to uh, modernise the design and upstairs to put in a modern hostel. So we have done that and I've learned a lot uh, since we've opened up and um, there's an amazing demand for accommodation in the country and for rooms. So we're a tourist hostel. Mm-hmm. That's our target market. So stags, hens, golfers, groups, they can come in and stay and enjoy a more reasonable priced accommodation, then come down and enjoy the live music and the food and the pub. Okay, you're giving, us, giving a great old plug the there, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, well, just to give you an idea yeah. of what we were setting up to do, but I was really surprised from the demand we've got from students recently. So since, especially since the college year has begun, we have, the phone hasn't stopped for students to actually come in from the Midlands and to stay in, host, in a, our hostel for from Sunday to Thursday because they can't afford to stay in hostels in Dublin. So they're actually coming to Drogheda, parking up their car, staying for a couple of nights because we actually give a reasonable rate okay, and then they're stop, actually getting the train or the bus to Dublin Can I stop you for a second, Glenn? To UCD or, yes, sorry. How much is your reasonable rate? Well, we range on Friday and Saturday nights probably go around to €45 Euro, um, and we fill every weekend so I probably could go higher but look, it's a family business so we've always said you know, we don't want our prices to be extortionate like we've recently even given some discounts to students who said they only had so much to stay from Sunday to Thursday. Not that we're a charity or anything like that, but 
we do believe prices should be reasonable. We've got a, a student deal at the moment. Uh, if they stay for five nights, they get one free. So it's €35 Euros a night, but they get one free. So €140 Euros for five nights. But I just couldn't believe the stories I was getting from the students. 100 120 130 euro for some hostels on a Friday or a Saturday night or even midweek 100 euro plus for a bunk bed. Now look, our hostel is modernised. We have privacy pods, reading lights, USBs, power showers, strong Wi-Fi. We okay. have all the mod cons you would need. But I was in, I've had the opportunity on many occasions to charge way more than the price of the rooms that we currently sell on the weekend. But I think, you know, in business, there has to be a cap, you know. You yeah. have to have a conscience in some way. We, I'll give you a story just to let you know about the kind of crisis we're in at the moment with accommodation. There was the NFL was on in Dublin and you also had Tiesto playing a big concert. Yeah. And we filled up within about an hour on a Saturday. And when you went on booking.com, Dublin was full, County Loud was full, Mead, every surrounding county from Dublin was full, no rooms for anybody. And I had a man from Israel with his son, uh, tourists, and they couldn't get a room anywhere. And it actually got to the stage where we called so many different counties and hotels that we couldn't get them in that my security, uh, one of my doormen actually called a friend who had a room and actually put them up for the night. Christ. Couldn't get a room anywhere. That's, it's, it's, there, there, it's a desperate situation at the moment, but I still think there is a, an obligation on business owners in the hotel industry not to damage the market. So I've, we deal with a lot of uh, American guests, golfers, that stay in uh, the Scholars Tennis Hotel, the yeah. other business we have. And a lot of them are leaving with a bitter taste in their mouth when they come back from Dublin. 300, 400 euros for a room, stuff like this. Yeah. And I under, look, I, I don't just, think the I government do wonder, are helping, to yeah, be honest. But. I, I do wonder, Glenn, if uh, what people generally around the country think about what's going on in uh, in that market, you know, and what what their what what their rivals are charging and what they are doing, uh, Glenn. Listen, thanks for that. Appreciate that. I just want to say we are seeing some uh, scenes of the most uh, very very serious flooding down in Cork. I know that um, that storm has hit hard in the southwest. Um, so everyone out there, keep safe. Uh, let us know if you're all right. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Maria, good afternoon. Hi, how are you doing? Maria, more to the point, uh, how are you doing? I am just looking at video here of Middleton. Where, are you in yeah. the town? I am in the town. I'm in on Store Townhouse on Drury's Avenue, which is sort of parallel to the main street to the east of the main street over towards Middleton Hospital um, the Dung- out towards the Dungorny Road uh, I'm looking out the window from the second floor of the, the this bed and breakfast fortunately we've got three stories um, we're up in the top bedroom now and I'm just looking out and I can I've just seen a beer keg uh, <laughs> floating down <laughs> down towards me uh, the entire Drury's Avenue is just a river. It's a river. It's, That's what I'm just looking at. It is just, uh, it's astonishing. Mm-hmm. It's, I've never seen anything like it. I've been here in, in town for 40 years. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely unprecedented. Um, my, my own house is across the road from Anstor and I just had to pack a bag there a while ago and move over. Uh, and I'm watching my house and my neighbours' houses. Uh, the water is actually going towards the top of the windows oh. of of the downstairs windows now. Uh, my my premises down below is um, yeah. I came. I had to, when I walked over from the house, I had to put the my bag of clothes up on top of my head, and uh, the water was up almost to my shoulders. Um, it's up. There's there are a couple of cars parked out. There's one in the car park, and there's one out on the side of the street, and there's only just the roofs of the cars showing. Oh, uh, it's 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 very 
<clears throat> different. How did you actually get into your where, where you are now? We had to climb in. We had to climb in the window. Oh, we've been climbing. We've been climbing in those windows with the past hour or two. When did it just? When did it start? When did when did the water start to rise? Um, I don't know. I was upstairs tidying, and in the space of twenty minutes, it was like it was the the road was flooded. And how long has it been going on, Becky? Two, two, maybe an hour and a half now. It's, has a, a river, do we know where it's coming from? Has some river burst its banks? It's the Onacora River. Right. It's the Onacora River and it just has flowed, overflowed the banks. And and um, I think the whole town is flooded. Somebody was telling me that Market Green now was full, um, was full uh, whenever, uh, since since early this morning. It was flooded. The, the grounds were flooded, but I think at this stage now it's, this is um, something else. There are three guys now. I presume they're kind of rescue people um, coming down the road. Coming, <laughs> coming down the road. The water is up to their shoulders, and they're grown men. I saw some cars trying to get through flooded. No, I know people were dri- earlier on. They were driving. They were trying to drive around, and they were just blowing the flood waters into the houses. Uh, and were you able to save anything on your own house before you left it, Maria? Not at all, no. I'm, I'm, I'll have to go back over now in the minute, as soon as I warm up and um, maybe try, try and comfort the dog. He's gone off upstairs. And, you, you, um, you left the dog over at home? Whatever's upstairs is OK, whatever's downstairs. I just switched off the electricity at the mains and, and whatever's there is floating at this stage. <sighs> Maria, that's like just... the couches and things are all floating around inside the sitting room. Have you ever had a flood like that in Middleton, where you are no, there? No, no, no. This is this is what you see on television in other countries. My God! And sorry, did you leave your dog back back across the road in your own house? Well, he's upstairs now. He's he's upstairs, and I'm 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 hope I'm assuming that upstairs will be okay. Um, but um, downstairs is is kind of that's it. Uh, we have this premises, which we were just in the process of selling the bed and breakfast business. Um, my husband has butcher shop and an abattoir. You can imagine all the electrical equipment in all those places. That's all. Have you been in, gone now? Have you been talking to him? Do you know what's going on and where, where that is? Oh, she's just trying to cover his corner and I'm trying to cover this. But um, hang on. I, I, I Just one second now. I want to tell those lads to go down to that lady down in Reardon's Lane, down to Valerie. She's on her own. Hold on a sec. Just talk. Well, hang on. Grand, Maria. Do you know what? Okay. Mar- Maria, hang on there for one second for us, will you? You do what you need to do there. Don't, don't mind yeah, us. I, I need to go out and tell the, the rescue guys to go down to Valerie. OK, that's more important than talking to us. Go out and do oh, that, but hang on. Oh, and going across to Miss Park. OK, yep. Do you want to hang on? You 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 do what you need to do there, Maria. We'll bring in uh, another caller and you stay there for us for a minute, will you, please? Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, listen, be very yeah, careful. I mean, that it sounds like that's oh, quite in, a dangerous we're, we're situation. Okay. <laughs> we're all right. I just, yeah, you switch me off now because I'm going to shout out the window at the lads. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. thanks, Maria. Uh, Iris, Iris, good afternoon. Hi, Kate, how are you? You're in Glenmire. I am indeed, Glenmire, um, in Cork, yes. Um, atrocious conditions down here um, since early morning. High tide was about uh, 10 past 8 this morning. So the waters have been consistently rising since then. Um, I'm in the main shopping centre. Um, I work in an office in here, D&G. And uh, they have closed all the main arteries into Glanmire at the moment. So if you're coming in from the Dunkettle Road, Vienna Woods, Glanmire Village closed. Um, coming in from Sallybrook Road closed. The main Hazelwood Road from the Old Bank of Ireland right up to the Community College closed. Um, there's going to be pandemonium, I'd say, in the next 10 minutes because the kids are getting out of school and the parents won't be able to come down and collect. Um, some of the estates, Copper Valley, like they're under four or five feet of water. Cars are almost covered. Um, God help us, the poor people up there. Really not, now, that lady that had you on there, God help us, I feel sorry for her, but I'm sure there's a lot of people up in Copper Valley are going to be going through the same situation at the moment. 
So um, what, where are we, you now? What are you seeing out your window at, at the oh, moment, Iris? I'm, I'm based in the shopping centre in, in Hazelwood um, and it's uh, completely underwater. Um, the, as I said, the main road coming in, they had to put sandbags on the main road because across the road there's a church, it's a hill and all the fields up there. So the water is absolutely pouring down. So unless, if they didn't put the sandbags at the entrance on the Hazelwood Road, the shopping centre would never be free of water. They're like, they've pumps in here since nine o'clock this morning, three, three lorries, three pumps going, um, taking uh, water out of all the, the businesses. Um, now, everything is closed down now since lunch and they, they opened for a few hours, but everything is closed up now, including myself. I'll be closing up there now shortly, putting up the, the flood relief barriers. Um, it, it, it's not as, to, in my personal opinion, it's not as bad as 2012, but yeah. it's, it's very close to it. And the way things are going and the high tide is a couple of, only a couple of hours away and the river that actually runs through the shopping centre is ready to burst its banks. So the high tide hasn't come there yet? No, well, the high tide this morning was at 10 past 8. Yeah. So, like, we're so that was the for first waters to recede, but yeah. they're not receding. Um, and we're going to have high tide again this evening. So unless the waters go down within the next couple of hours, I'd say we'll find ourselves in a chronic situation later on tonight. And how are you going to get home, Iris? Well, I'm okay. I, I actually only live across the road from where I work. Um, but I ca- if I needed to go anywhere out of Glanmire, I can't. Like, there is no there is no access to it out of Glanmire at the moment. Like, people were ringing me this morning wanting to know how would they get into Glanmire. There actually was no route into Glanmire since about 12 o'clock. The main roads into Glanmire are all flooded. Remind, remind us, Iris, how far out from the city are you there? We're about six miles outside the city. Right. If you're coming out from the city and you're coming down the dual carriageway to Dunkettle roundabout, yeah. you veer off over to the east and uh, Glanmire is uh, a, yeah. a suburban town. Yeah. About six, seven miles from um, from the city centre. Um, I'm just thinking about those children coming out of school now, though. Is there is there water where the schools are or... What's the There's, story? Well, no. Well, the parents won't be able to get up the road to get access to the school. The, the access roads to the local primary school are impassable. They have um, barriers up and, and sandbags up. So the, the parents will need to par- park further away and maybe walk to the school. Another local school closed this morning. It did close at 12 because there was a, a landslide in the area. The Grail Skull in Glamour, there was a landslide in the area. So they closed the school this morning. Again, parents couldn't get into the car park. They had to park way further down the road and walk in to collect their kids. I have my own niece and she's up in college at the moment and they've put all her classes online, but she can't get home. She can't get into Glamour. Right. Um, yeah. So is your, with the shop you're in right now, is that... Is that safe? Is that what's what's happening with us? Yes, I'm. I, I yeah. I'm. I'm. I, I I'm in D and G Murphy Canton Auctioneers, and where we're situated in the shopping centre, we have a bit of a lip up to our door. And that's Do what's saving you right so we're, now. We're that little bit higher than the rest of the shopping centre, and also we're facing the opposite way. So the floodwaters that are coming in at the side road are are, are flowing down, and they will be hitting off the businesses below, say the the bookies, the library, uh, the cafe, the funeral home got very badly hit this morning. Very badly hit this morning. Oh. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, God, you're hard. No, do you know what? No, I, I, we, we, we went through all this in 2012, and I, I think Douglas did as well, and it's horrendous. But, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's everywhere. Like, I've heard people on the radio this morning from uh, Mogili, Carrick Line, Middleton, um, everywhere seems to have been hit. I think it's at all the roadworks that are going on at the moment, and I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, was it was this expected? Situation. Had you been warned about this down there? Were you were you kind of bracing no, well, for it? No, we got our um, we got our, um, our our orange warning. Mm-hmm. Um, but like sometimes you do get a warning. Like we've we've had a few warnings over the last couple of weeks, and there were orange warnings, and you'd say, "God, there was no need for a warning. It was only a bit of rain." Um, they probably should have upgraded this to a red this morning. Yeah. But then you see the problem is this. I, I've heard that if if they upgrade it to a red, then you've the the problem with the schools. The schools will have to close if it goes to red. Yeah, there is a but, whole there's um, a whole uh, yeah, there's a whole there's protocol a whole, yeah, that kicks whole, in once you go is, once you go all the way is. up to red. Yeah. So um, yeah. And I mean even now looking out there like even where they've been pumping this morning, like the mud is thick. Thick 
mud and, and debris outside that all the drains and the shores are all going to have to be cleared again later on because if that mud is left there and you get more rain tonight, you're going to have the same situation in the morning. I have to say my heart goes out to everyone. I Just the idea yeah. of... I, I just. Listening to Marie there looking across the road at her house knowing that her furniture was basically floating. Yeah, uh, floating, floating. I I know exactly what she's going through, Kate. Like, as I said, we had it in 2012 and I just said to you there a moment ago that our office was kind of safe enough. But 12 years ago when we got it this bad, uh, the water was up, was four feet high inside in this office. Yeah. Yeah, like the whole place just closed down 12 years ago. And there's one estate behind the, the shopping centre. It's called Meadowbrook. They were severely hit back then. I've heard from people there at the moment, it's not too bad. There are pumps over there and the, the council are over there, so they're manning it quite well. But there's other estates are getting very bad. It's to do with, it's, it's the, the rivers are bursting their banks. They just can't hold the water. This is we're we're in a whole new world here. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Iris, many thanks for that. Uh, stay safe, no everyone who's listening. I uh, hope everyone stays safe. Indeed. And, uh, I've done my Theresa Mannion bit now for today, so yeah. thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Iris. Thanks. Thanks, Kate. Bye. Bye. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Now, as I say, stay safe uh, down there in Cork. This sounds really, really um, serious flooding, uh, particularly in Middleton. Um, so we'll get back to that maybe before the end. But I want to bring in Deborah now. Deborah, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Um, so, Deborah, we'll go take us back to Budget Day. And uh, you were listening, and you thought, God, a particular, a okay. particular, uh, a particular line in the budget really caught your eye. Yeah, so a couple of weeks leading up to the budget, I had heard that um, Heather Humphreys was going to give back children who are 18 but still in full-time secondary education, give back our children's allowance because the month they turn 18, that stopped. So I um, thought that this was coming. So anyway, my child was in six, is in sixth year um, down in um, school and he came home on budget day having watched um, the budget in his economics class and he said, ma'am, it's great. The, the minister has announced that the children still in school that are 18 are going to get their children's allowance back. So I was delighted and I was sending all the news to the WhatsApp mams and that, you know, we have a school, the classroom WhatsApp for the for the whole year. And I wrote that in another group and I told my sisters because that it would affect some of their, their, my niece and nephews and that. So everyone was delighted and all that. So we're all going around thinking we're getting it. And then only to find out the next day, one of the mams put in the group, oh, that's not right. It's not till September 2024. But sure, that's no good to us because our children will leave school after doing the leave in next June. So it means that even though our children are in school and it was announced like a big headline news in the budget, it was nearly like headline grabbing that we're going to get back, you know, which we all need because it's a hundred. Like, for example, this month alone, my child needed glasses. He's an OPRSI, so I had to pay the consultation fee and a pair of glasses with a hundred euro. And I did shop around to try and get the best value, but that's the price of glasses. And he like, so that's just a cost that just came. I have no children's allowance to support that. And I just feel that it was kind of very, it was done in such a way that it was misleading to us because Pascal Dunne, who definitely said, because um, I've checked with other mothers and they've all thought, no, we're getting it. And then we told, no, no, that's not what's going to happen. So I just really wanted to highlight, like I've wrote to the minister and I've also wrote to a number of other TDs and you know my local councillors and all this sort of thing to say that, you know, they did say that we were going to get it and then to kind of take it back, to give them one hand and then take it back in the other for money that with the cost of living. Like our children are still in school till next June. Yeah, and because and I, of the way the, sorry, you know, the way the education, like our children can't start school till they're five because of the way the entrance policy is. And then the, they encourage transition year. So your ch- so there's very few parents of children in sixth year who are going to, they're either 18 or they're going to be 18 in the coming months. Yeah, because so. it kind of, that probably harks back to the time when children started school when they were four. So you yeah. were kind of out of full time. You were out of school by the time uh, yeah, you, you, you had your 18th birthday. At 17, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, was, that, was, yeah. that was then. But this is now. And yeah. as you say, this is now. very, very yeah. few, very, very few children, 18 uh, year olds are out of school at this stage. Do you know what? Why don't we have a listen? Uh, to yeah. what Pascal actually did say when he was on his feet. This is Pascal Donoghue on Budget Day telling us about this great new measure that was being introduced. 
I'm raising the qualified child increase by €4 Euro to €46 Euro per week for under-12s and €54 Euro per week for over-12s. The Hot School Meals programme will be expanded to a further 900 primary schools in April of 2024. Parents' benefits will be extended to nine weeks from August 2024, and I'm also increasing the monthly rate of the domiciliary care allowance by €10, Euro, extending the child benefit payment to 18-year-olds in full-time education, and raising the income threshold on the working family payment by €54 Euro per week. Yeah. Yeah. No, no qualification there. No saying. qualification. No saying, oh, no, no, it won't happen until they've left this year, actually. So the people who are all going to pay their taxes and everything in this year, they'll take, our, they'll take all my taxes till next June. Uh, but they won't give us like the allowance that we actually, like we need. It's like, it's not, like I spent, I've spent my money over the years, like my, that week, that monthly, I wait for that to come in. I've had to get my child braces, as I said. He also, he has like for additional support that he's needed, like he's, like in the R10 band, I've paid money for a monthly fee for that before the love of music to make sure that when he's doing his leave and he has an instrument, he can play to get a good grade. So, you know, it's held for shoes coming back. So my child left school, left, went back to school in September. He needed new shoes. He needed new books. I had to pay the admin fee to the school, which I don't mind paying. They're all the things you need to do. Uh, there's been trips to the school have organised. The money has to come from somewhere. And unfortunately, it, I think that they, they did mislead us and the whole country. And it's like well, you know, every it's, school in the country is affected. Every parent of children in sixth year. It's interesting that just last week we were talking to uh, foster carers who were really yeah. upset as well because they had expected to get finally, they'd been uh, anticipating a big, finally a big increase after 14 years, their first increase. Yeah. And yeah. they were told that that 50, that they, they were getting 75 and 50 euro of it wouldn't be paid until November of 2024. So this is another one now that's announced oh in the budget God. now yeah. and yeah. won't be paid till September 2024. And I'm wondering yeah. now, when are we going to have that election, do you think? And could there be any uh, connection... Well, with. Well, I did say that to the minister's office this morning. I said, I'm, I'm not 18 or 21 and I know a vote grabbing headline when I hear it. I'm, I'm, I so, And I feel that's been really, they've been very disingenuous to, to us as parents of children in school that they've used us to get a vote because everybody thinks they're getting it and then to find out we're not. So it, I think it's, it's, not, it's not good and it's, and it's misleading. And even when the children, like I don't hear much news from school, but that was the main news that came home that day from the economics class, the budget, the minister said it on the budget, on the television in economics that we were getting our children's allowance back. So, you know, I just feel and I just wondered how other parents felt and I feel if if the parents are out there of 18 year olds, please get on to your get on to the Minister Humphrey's office very nice man up there, he rang me back this morning and he take all our calls because I think we should all fight to get what actually we are entitled to and he, they, he said it in the doll he did say we were getting it. Uh, just to say, we, we did contact the department uh, and they said that um, that the extension of child benefit uh, to 18-year-olds in full-time education was one of the minister's key priorities as part of Budget yes. 2024. Uh, yes. And, he sa- and uh, they said this is a significant change to the child benefit payment, which will require technical and operational changes to the social welfare system before implementation. And for this reason, the change will take effect from September 24, 2024. So what they're saying there is that it's going to take they them a whole year, a whole yeah, year to, to, to no. repay payments to, to people who have been getting payments all their for the entire can 17 I, years of I their childhood or 18 years. I said that to the to the man who phoned me from the minister's office this morning. I said to him, in a stroke of a pen, we all got a form when the children were 16. You go into your school with this form and you say, is my, you get it stamped at your child still attend secondary school and you send it back and you get your payment. That is all that has to happen. I could have a form. They have all our names. There is, I don't know the percentage of the population. There can't be that many letters they need to send out. They can send us 
a letter within this week, even next week, we could give them and they could we could get it stamped down in our schools and send it back to them and we would have that payment. It does not need major changes in infrastructure of technic- anything technical. It's a piece of paper that we get signed in the school and that's, that's what it took for a 16-year-old. So why can't that be for 18-year-olds? And that's what should happen. They also say it, was, it should be noted that the implementation date was clearly stated in the department's press release. Um, to announce the budget uh, social protection measures and was discussed by Minister Humphreys at the department's press conference on the day. Um, but we heard it there. <laughs> I heard... don't mean to be funny, but who seen the press conference <laughs> afterwards? We were just too excited telling each other about the good news that the minister said in the jaw. He actually said it now. I don't know whether that's dial privilege or whatever, but he did say it and we all heard him and you've played it there for the whole nation to hear that we were getting it back. Uh, just hang on a minute, Deborah. Uh, Fiona, good afternoon. Hi, Katie. How are you? You also have an 18-year-old in sixth year. Yes, I have. And like that previous caller, I was delighted when I heard um, that they were going to extend the children's allowance for... Because that's the way it is now. Um, There's very few children leaving at 17. Most of them are still in school at 18 because, as as you were saying earlier, they don't start school till till they're five. I actually started school when I was three, which was a bit ridiculous, really. I wasn't uh, four till December. But now, all, all kids, most kids at 18 are still in sixth year. And it's an expensive, it's expensive year. Um, six years there's a lot going on so yeah I was thrilled I was thinking great this is great now we, you know this will cover just for this year and, it, and then suddenly there was nothing we didn't hear anything else and that was the end of it so it was just, I just perked up when I, I heard the, your last caller there and I said yeah that's interesting actually that never actually happened yeah, that never actually happened. And as you say, no. and, and apparently it's going to take them a whole year to uh, yeah. put in place the technical and operational changes. Uh, to yeah, bring it well, in. it's like anything enough. else, Katie. Uh, it's like, and I've come to it a lot with institutions, when it comes to actually taking money, like being taxed, it's very, very efficient. And when it comes to actually paying out, suddenly there's procedures and it just takes forever. And that's just, I've come across that in so many different cases, you know, even with banks and stuff. It's just, when it comes to paying out something, suddenly, oh, that's going to take whatever amount of time. But they're very quick to take the tax from us and that's highly efficient. <laughs> OK. OK, Fiona, <laughs> thanks thanks for that. Deborah. many thanks. Thank you. Uh, Thank we'll, you very we'll much, We'll see what Katie. comes of that and uh, we'll take our break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Now, can I go back to uh, what we opened with today and uh, the issue of punctuation? Catherine, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. Um, may I just say, before I continue, like, you know, you have such an interesting programme. You spoke about three different topics this afternoon and every one of them were terrific. So, well done. Well, thank you, Catherine. Uh, now, punctuation, what's your view? My view is um, that, you know, sending text, for example, and you abbreviate and, and um, you know, the punctuation and all that. But I think it's absolutely necessary because, you know, with children, you know, they, they you start off how you mean to go on, as in everything in life, you know. And if you, um, you, you know, you uh, abbreviate words, for example, um, firstly, it, um, I think it sort of disrupts their spelling. They cannot spell because they're not, they're not saying the words correctly. And um, I just think that um, it's very important to start off as you mean to go on. Like, for example, I'll tell you, Katie, um, you know, we say to babies, um, oh, look at the doggy, look at the doggy. It's actually a dog. And then as they get older, we're saying, well, it's not a doggy, it's a dog. And it's a small example, but um, I think it's important. And you think that's where the rot is set in, in the text and Instagram and all that? Well, I'll tell you, Katie, I think you were, say- you did say that, um, you know, nobody sends texts anymore. Um, well, I do, because I, I, I'm, I'm not on, um, you know, sort of computers, because I think uh, if I if I start on, uh, you know, sort of uh, Instagram and all of these sort of things, I will, um, uh, yeah, I will have time for nothing else, because, you know, the, the, I see my grandchildren, you know, and um, when I go to Dublin, because I'm not in Dublin, but they are, 
And uh, when they see me come, they say, oh, no, we have to turn off our computers. Because, I mean, I just think that, you know, children spend too much time doing, um, you know, sort of on the computer. And I think there's so much other things to life, you know, outdoors, climbing up trees, you know, all the, maybe I'm just getting too old. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, <laughs> Catherine man, many thanks for the call. Many thanks. Uh, punctuation is important, uh, says Catherine. Can I bring in Diana? Hi, Katie. Hi. (laughs) Where are you on this? I am. If I'm reading a book, I'd like to know who is talking, who is interrupting. I'd like to know when the talking finishes and when the next paragraph begins, when there's a change in subject, that it's not all running into one conglomerate mess of an unpunctuated sentence that runs from the beginning of page one to the end of page 220. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'm part of a writing group here in Ballincollig, and I remember one time ages ago, I had a story written that I was quite clear. You had a, a woman riding a horse and there was a dog running beside her. And to me, I was quite clear that the woman was talking to the dog. And somebody said, who is she talking to? I said, she's talking to the dog. She said, and they said, but it's, you don't know because we thought she was talking to the horse. So I had to clarify that by saying as she spoke to her her canine companion to make it clear who she was talking to. So you are you are pro punctuation, Diana. One hundred percent appropriate, good, real punctuation. Okay, it has to be. And I know that there was a book that I started reading about two or three years ago, and I got about into about a page three of the book and I thought I can't take this anymore I don't know who's saying what to whom when is the speech stopping when is the next I mean if you're walking down the street and you don't know whether what in your mind you have no idea what's going on because nobody's actually saying when this when the walking is stopping when they're looking through a window or whatever it's totally unclear without some form of proper punctuation. Okay, Diana, I've I've Brian on the line just for that. Thanks for that, Diana. Just uh, my last, uh, if you can say, say, give your thoughts on this in thirty seconds, Brian. Uh, you need punctuation. Lynn Trust wrote a book called Eats, Shoots and Leaves, which yes. is a howl and it just makes a case for it. Uh, Victor Borger, the Danish comedian, invented phonetic punctuation where he would actually read out quotation marks and full stops. Uh, it's a, there's a lovely audio on YouTube. You should listen to that. Punctuation is essential to make sense. Yeah, I had actually forgotten about the Eats, Shoots and Leaves, which was a, a, probably one of the best titles of a book. Uh, Uh, for many, many years. Uh, Brian, thank you for bringing us back to that. Appreciate it. Thanks, Diana. Thanks to all our callers today and best of luck to all of our Cork listeners um, that you can get through the next 24 hours safely. Um, But that's all we have time for for today. On Sound, we had Mark Dwyer. Research today was by Clara Eustace and today's programme was produced by Annette Egan. Stand by now for Rafe. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie